Well, Brad and I both have the same boss, and it's not our wing commander. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's really good to be here this morning to be with you in worship. It's been a rough week, has it not? <laughs> uh, but we're all here, and we're worshiping the Lord together. I'm going to be in 2 Timothy this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Chapter 2 is where our passage is going to be. But let me start with uh, the greetings here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's a wonderful thing to state, and it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. And this is coming from the Apostle Paul, who as he's saying that, is in prison. Knowing that he's not going to be going back home. And that's coming from him, from his heart. You know, this past week can seem kind of rough. I, I know I was bottled up at the house all week. The base was shut down. And not only could I not go to work, but I couldn't even leave the house. Right? My, my wife let me know that. She said, are you sure you're going to enjoy retirement? I was like, I don't know. I'll find something to do. So, Still got a few years before that, though. But, you know, even 2020 may seem like, boy, that was rough. But, I mean, come on, think about it. If we look at the Apostle Paul, and he's certainly a great mentor for all of us, he was definitely going through some hard times. He spent most of his Christian life going through hard times. And uh, he's in prison as he writes this. Someone once said, true Christian behavior is not a means to an end. It is the expression of reality of who we really are and of who God is. I really want to drive that home as we look at our passage today. The idea that being a Christian is not just a label. And, and when we become a Christian, it's not just things that we do. It's actually who we are. It's who we are in Christ. It's who God transforms us to be. And we become a Christian and we live the Christian life. So, you know, as Pastor Brad said, we're chaplains there at the 189th. And uh, just, uh, you know, briefly... Ministry there is going good. It's always a challenge. You know, sometimes in the military environment, things can be a little unique. But on the other side of the coin, they have the same needs that all of the lost world has and the same needs that the body of Christ has for encouragement. And so we try to provide that. Our most recent venture is the coffee truck. <laughs> uh, we borrowed a trailer that serves coffee, lattes, cappuccinos, you name it. We learned how to make them. And we parked that truck out there at our last drill. And you know, the whole idea is just to be a presence there, to say we care, to let them know uh, that there's a connection there that we'd like to make so that when they're going through the difficulties of life, so that when they have that question about God or about Christ or what does it mean to live in this world and, and what, what is it all about, they might think of us and they might want some help from us. And so we're constantly trying to think of ways to do that. And really, that's, you know, that's part of missions. As you think about missions in this world, we can't just go out and preach. We have to get involved in these people's lives, and we have to live with them, and we have to show them Christ through our lives, and then we get opportunities to disciple them. And we're always trying to figure out how, ways to do that in the military environment. So thank you for your support. Thank you for including us in your prayers and it's great to hear all the mission work that this church is supporting. That's really awesome. You know, the, the, the bottom line is we tend to work hard for the things that we care about. And we don't tend to work so hard for the things that we don't care about. You know, whether it's sports, whether it's football, whether it's a career, what, whatever it is, if you really care about it, you tend to work harder for it. 
Um, and I know this may not apply to any teenager in here, okay? But my son, when he was a teenager, he's, he's an adult now. He thinks he is anyway. When he was a teenager, he could be really motivated. Now, he's a great kid, so take, you know, take this in that context. But he could be really motivated when it was something he wanted to do. But if it was something I wanted him to do, or if it was something his mom wanted him to do, or school wanted him to do, he didn't necessarily have a lot of motivation there for that. Anybody relate to what I'm saying here? Okay. So, and it's true for everything in life, and it's true for our Christian walk. What we really care about, we tend to put a lot of hard work into. And the Christian life demands that same type of determined spirit, the, the idea of focused attention, disciplined practice. And that's what our passage is going to be about this morning. So what I'd like to do now is just go ahead and take a pause here and read our passage. And then we'll break it down a little bit and talk about it. So it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right, that's our passage. Let's now, let's go back and look at this a little bit and break it down. Now think about this. This is our setting as we look at the book of 2 Timothy. This is a letter from Paul to Timothy. And if you read chapter 1, you go back and look in that, what you find is Paul is concerned Because people are turning from the faith. People are backing off of their commitment to Christ and Christianity and the Christian life. And Paul is seeing this. And in verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, Hey, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And I can only picture in my mind what Paul is really getting at there. What he's thinking is these people are turning from Christ. And so many of them are feeling discouraged because living the Christian life has actually turned out to be hard. And hey, the person that, w- that started all this, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, was crucified on a cross. And now Paul, the person we're looking up to, the person that's trained us, the person that spread the gospel, now he's going to die in prison. And a lot of discouragement is taking place. And Paul is trying to address this, and he's writing this to Timothy, who is one of the people that's going to take the reins. He's passing on the baton, and Timothy needs some encouragement. Timothy was young. Have you noticed that the younger people never tend to want to grasp hold of the wisdom that us older people have to offer them? You ever notice that? And they just, no matter how hard you try, they don't get it. But they will one day, right? And so Paul's trying to pass on to young Timothy some wisdom here. And and Timothy needs this encouragement because he is younger and he is having a hard time with this. In 1 Timothy 5, it tells us he's not in the best of health. We don't know what he was dealing with. And some of his youthfulness caused him to maybe be a little unsure of himself and and, and not have the confidence that he needed as a leader in 1 Timothy 4. 
Paul even wrote to the Corinthians once in chapter 16, hey, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. And Paul knew that those Corinthians might run over him because of his youthfulness and his, his lack of confidence. And so Paul is trying to encourage him in Christ. And as Paul sat chained in that Roman dungeon awaiting execution, he knew that he had to hand off the torch to Timothy. And he wrote this letter to encourage him. And his words should encourage us who may be tempted to draw back from actively serving the Lord, from perseverance. And as we read 2 Timothy, it can challenge us if maybe we've slacked off a little bit in our service, in our commitment to Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. All the strength, all of the power, everything that we need to live the committed Christian life, the fruitful Christian life, all comes from God. He provides it, and it's right there for us. So we don't have to worry about it. We just need to get on board with it. Now, I also want to say this. When we think about tapping into God's power, we don't want to misuse it or have a, a misunderstanding about God's power. And I see this a lot in the church today, and I talk to people who fall into this category, and I, and I hope this is not you, and I don't think it is, but that, that somehow we think God's power as Christians is to serve us, is to provide us all our luxuries and wants in life, and to give us everything that we could dream about. Maybe you see this on TV sometimes with a televangelist or something. I'm not mentioning any names. But John Piper has pointed out that many believers use prayer, and here's how he puts it, as an intercom to have the maid bring more refreshments to the living room. All right? When in fact, prayer is our walkie-talkie. It's to call in more support for the front lines of battle. Prayer is not to make our lives more comfortable. It's to bring the forces of heaven against the forces of evil in this cosmic battle of which we are infantry soldiers. Which brings me to our passage again here. Paul's really trying to drive home a point here. And so as we look again at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we see that as a Christians, we have a strategy. God gives us a strategy in his word. And right here, he lays it out like this. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's our strategy. That is the Christian strategy. Strength in Christ, the strength of Christ, and that we be faithful in Christ and that we pass it on to others. Wow, there's our strategy. To be a fruitful Christian, there's a person that you must be strong in grace. And there's a task that you must do. Entrust the gospel to faithful men and pass that on to others. That's a way we can evaluate ourselves individually, as a family, as a church, as this strategy in our lives. So let me break that down. First of all, we must have the strength of Christ in verse 1. We find our strength in the grace of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but what I've observed in the church lately today is people think of God's grace as, as I know this is the most important thing, but they think of it as only the thing that saves us. God's grace is what saves us, and then that's about the extent that they give God's grace in their life. And do you know that the Bible says that everything we are as a Christian, everything we live in as a Christian, comes from God's grace. It is His power 
in our lives. It's not just what saves us. It is also what sustains us. And we live from day to day in God's grace. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In the context of that passage, it's talking about living the hardships of the Christian life. Paul says whether things are going good or whether things are going bad, it's okay because I have the strength of God in my life. God's grace is so important for us in our daily lives. Grace is the core of the gospel. But not only are we saved by grace, we are to grow in grace. 2 Peter 3. God's grace motivates us to serve him. 1 Corinthians 15. 2 Corinthians 9. God's grace sustains us in our trials, 2 Corinthians 12. When we are in need, we are invited to come to the throne of God's grace to receive his mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Hebrews 4, the very last verse of the Bible, Revelation 22, 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. God's grace is so important in our lives. And I think sometimes when we come to Christ and we get that salvation faith and we, and we, we say, I'm a Christian now, and then we don't even realize that, hey, to live the Christian life, the fruitful Christian life, we need God's grace every moment, every day. And so with that strength of grace, then we are to be faithful. Faithful men, and faithful men includes everyone, includes all of us. We are found faithful. And this is not a secret teaching. Paul says, all the witnesses can testify to the gospel message and to what we have in Christ. But we can't pass it on if we don't have it ourselves. Amen? Amen. And so when I think about missions and the prayers that you're offering up for these missionaries, and I think about a critical element in missions... And that is that we are being faithful and that we are living the Christian life. Because you know what? We can't pass on what we don't have. And if you think about missions, a lot of times people think about missions as just going and preaching the gospel. But these missionaries give blood, sweat, and tears to go live the Christian life amongst other people. So that they might show them the light of Christ through their lives. It's not just telling verbally. It's telling by how we live our lives. And so we pass on what we are living. You've heard a picture is worth a thousand words. And so Paul is telling Timothy, we've got to stay committed to living the Christian life. And you find these faithful men because it takes faithful men to pass it on. You know, it's the same for parenting. I always have to throw in family stuff because family's my heart. As parents, you can't just go around telling your kids how to be Christians if you're not living it. Parents. And I'm talking to myself too. If you want your kids to grow up and be committed, fruitful Christians, you can't just tell them to do it. You have to show them how to do it. Have you, you know, you've heard the expression, do as I say, not as I do. That never works. We have to show them the committed Christian life. And then we pass it on. The ministry of multiplication, and this is my heart for church ministry. Now, all the things we do in church, I've always had a heart for the idea of finding people who are faithful to teach them the word of God and then have them pass that on to someone else and have them pass that on to someone else. And I know you care about that here too because Brad and I have talked about it. The idea of multiplication. 1 Timothy 3 says men should be able to teach. Church leaders should be in Titus, be able to give instruction. Why? So they can pass it on. And we pass it on into our community. We pass it on into the world. We pass it on 
in our homes. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how the world looks out there, we cannot give up on this. It is critical. You know, the idea of spreading the gospel to others, some of you may have heard this. All right, would you rather me give you, and I don't have a million dollars, okay, so this is just an illustration. Would you rather me give you a million dollars, or I'll give you a penny on day one, and you can double it every day for 30 days? A million dollars, or a penny on day one, and I'll let you double that penny every day for 30 days. Which one would you rather have? Double what? You'd be amazed to find out that if you get a penny and double it the next day and double it the next day and double it the next day, after 30 days, you have over $5 million. It's incredible. You, it, it blows your mind until you start adding it up and you realize it's the truth. And when we think about Christianity in our lives today, you know, you could stand up here and talk to a million people. That would be awesome to do that and preach the gospel and, and people could get saved. But if none of them pass it on to anyone else, that's not going to bear as much fruit as if we pass it on to this person and that person passes it on to that person and that person passes it on. And we as the church body, we pass on our Christianity to those around us. How many people can we reach as a church if it's only the pastor? How many people can we reach as a church if it's all of us? And this is the message that Paul is preaching by the way, a little riddle here. What do you call a hen that can add, subtract, and multiply? A mathema chicken. Right. I, I'm, I know that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on because I'm running out of time here. All right, so we have our formula. We have our strategy. But Paul is letting Timothy know it is going to be a battle. And so in verses 3 through 7, he gives us these pictures of the battle that we have to fight as Christians. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I love that last passage there because Paul is saying, spend some time with this. Soak this in a little bit. Think about these illustrations and how they might apply to living the Christian life. You know, be, being a soldier. I served on some active duty time in the Air Force uh, uh, from 84 to 94. And I never actually had to fight in real battle on the front lines. Okay, so I'm just stating that up front. But being in the military kind of gives you a taste sometimes. I was in security police. And so we had to do a lot of training. We had to do a lot of real-world events that involved possibly risking our lives in certain scenarios. And I can tell you, when you're a soldier, you do have to focus. You do have to get rid of all the distractions. Paul loved the military imagery because it is a spiritual battle, the Bible tells us. It's not flesh and blood. It's good versus evil. And there's so much going on behind the scenes. And soldiers, they're on the front lines. They're in harsh conditions. They get exhausted. All the things that go on if you think about the idea of being a soldier for God. And you know, I thought about that a little bit. As we distance ourselves from the front lines, as we are removed from the front lines of battle, that's when we tend to start to whine and complain and think life's not going well. 
and that we've, we, we, all of our luxuries become necessities. But when we're on that front line, nothing matters except doing what you were told and surviving and fighting that battle. We've lost that in the church today, I think. So we also, as military soldiers, we don't fight alone, do we? We fight as a team. We fight together. And we're involved in one thing only, and that is accomplishing the mission. He uses the idea here of not being entangled. And the, the, the word here, you could kind of picture sheep getting their wool caught in the branches as they're trying to go through a path. It's holding you back. It's holding back the Christian movement as we get entangled in worldly affairs. He says the soldier does not do that. Soldiers of part, Paul's day were not part-timers. They were fully committed to what their commander issued, the orders for them to accomplish so that they could win the battle, so that they could win the war. We can't compartmentalize our Christianity. You can't just be a committed Christian here at church on Sunday morning. It has to be at work. It has to be at home. It has to be out in the community. It has to be all of our activities. It has to be who we are. And then quickly, he talks about being an athlete. And notice here he says about being disqualified. And, and the idea here is having integrity and that there are no shortcuts. It takes a lot of work to be an athlete and you have to follow the rules and you have to win the race fair or else you don't get the crown. And grace is the power that gives us all of that. You know, if you think about an Olympian, an athlete, there almost any category you would name, I would not be able to compete. I just couldn't do it. I, I, I think all the way back to seventh grade, I thought I was going to go try out for basketball, and I thought I was going to be good because I had played so much backyard basketball. Well, I found out after two days of tryouts, it wasn't for me. I could, couldn't even keep up. It takes a lot of work. And not only does it take a lot of work to be good at something, it takes God-given ability and talent. I mean, think about somebody like Michael Phelps. You remember him? We used to comment how his body seemed to be shaped like a fish. That's why he was so good. Now, he put a lot of hard work in. He gave it his all day in and day out, but he also had some God-given talent. And that's the way it is with being a Christian. We give it our all, but we can't do anything without our God-given power. The power that God gives us to live the Christian life. And then he says, hey, it's like being a farmer. You have to be diligent. You have to be enduring. Now, farming today is not like it was back then. In some parts of the world, it might be. But around here, I've noticed some things about farming. I, I, used, I pastored out in a, a smaller community church for a while. And I got to know a lot of farmers. And, and they even let me come out. And I got to ride in the tractor and everything. Let me tell you, those tractors are comfortable. All right, you've been in one. The seats are better than any car seat. You got heating, you got air conditioner. It's all enclosed, and you can even push the button and set the little program, and it and it just knows where to go. But that's not how farming was in Paul's day. Okay, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and and you don't get the results right then, do you? It takes diligence, it takes hard work and patience, and you're waiting and you're waiting, and then the crop comes in. So that's what Paul is saying here. We've got to be focused, not distracted. We've got to be disciplined, and we've got to be diligent, and we've got to endure and persevere. And then we reap the rewards. In the early 20th century, an ad in a London newspaper read, Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness and constant danger. Safe return doubtful. 
honor and recognition in case of success. And this was signed by a famous Arctic explorer, Sir Ernest Shackleton. And guess what? Thousands of men responded to that ad. Wow. Well, here's what Warren Wiersbe says about that illustration. If Jesus Christ had advertised for workers, the announcement might have read something like this. Men and women wanted for difficult task of helping to build my church. You will often be misunderstood even by those working with you. You will face constant attack from an invisible enemy. You may not see the results of your labor and your full reward will not come until after all your work is completed. It may cost you your home, your ambitions, even your life. And the question is, will thousands of people respond to that ad? And I pray that we all have. You know, my experiences in the military as security police, that was my first career field. And I learned very quickly, even when we were, even when the battle wasn't real and we had our miles gear on and we were playing laser tag out in the woods for days on the end and life could be miserable even when it was pretend. But as I was sitting in that foxhole, maybe on a, on a given night and I've got my night vision goggles and I'm trying to find the, the Marines who are trying to infiltrate our line because they're trying to see if they can take over the base. And all of a sudden it dawns on me you got to be focused. And I would picture, what if this was real? You can't miss a beat. You can't have other distractions going on in the world. I have to admit, sometimes when I was out just doing my regular security job and I was on a post, I might get a little distracted, might even get a little sleepy. But when you're out there in the battle, there is no room for distraction. And I think sometimes as Christians, we forget the battle is raging all around us and there is no room for distraction. And so, realizing that we must be committed, that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. And he's encouraging him in that way. And I want to encourage you in that way too. We must be strong in that way. And I'm just going to read verses 8 through 10 because we also have some motive for all of this. I mean, even in our examples here, the soldier, he gets the reward of his commander being pleased with him. And the athlete gets the crown of victory. And the farmer gets the first share of the crops. That's awesome. That's a wonderful incentive. But look at the motive that we have here in verses 8 through 10. Let me read those real quick. If I read starting in 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, and therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, our motive for all of this, we have Jesus Christ as our example. We are following him as disciples. He died for us and rose again. The gospel is what it's all about. We have him fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. We have the power of his resurrection. And then he says we have the word of God that is not bound. Did you know that the God, word of God is powerful? I mean, just think about, we've had God's word, the New Testament, for a couple of thousand years now. Think about how it has changed the Western world that we know today. I mean, I'll just name a few things here. The sanctity of human life, the equality of all humans, the value of family as God intended from the beginning, foundational values of our country and educational institutions. Did you know all of that came from God's word? And before God's word, those things were not in place. I know we're losing some of that today. We can look around us and we can feel discouraged about that. 
And this is why we have to stay strong. And this is why Paul is telling Timothy, do not lose sight of the value of God's word in someone's life, in a community, in the world. And we have to be those people. And he says we do it for the elect. Paul endures hardship as he participates in God's eternal plan to save his people and to give them eternal glory. How can it get any better than that to take part in our creator's eternal glorious plan? Let me just say this in closing. You want to kickstart your walk with the Lord? Maybe you're in a rut. Get involved in some missions. Get involved in doing something for God in spreading the gospel message in discipling someone else. Is there someone in your life that you could disciple? I bet there is. You know, Kristen and I, we've talked about this many times. My wife, Kristen, we can think back to the times in our lives where maybe we felt like we're in a rut or maybe things weren't, you know, just not as exciting as they normally are. And the things that have defined getting us reinvigorated is when we have a focused time working for the Lord. Our mission trips that we've been on. We come back from those mission trips. And let me tell you, we're wondering why everybody's not on fire for God. And everybody's just looking at us like we're weird. Well, it's because we were focused on doing God's work. And it'll do the same for you. We can do that in our homes. We can do that in our work environment. Maybe there's this friend that you have that needs a touch. When we get involved in doing God's work, it touches our lives. And so let me close with this saying here that Paul closes with in this section. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. But if we are faith, and if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So, my encouragement to all of us, if we die, we will live. And if we endure, we will reign. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, serve the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I say, I remind us all from Paul, serve as a soldier, perform as an athlete, and be diligent about planting those seeds as a farmer of the gospel at home, among the body of believers, and out into the world. And at the end, we can say what Paul says at the end of Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.